Strap in, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 23 of the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. I am Leo, alongside Cody. Hey, everybody. We're actually recording in the same room today, um, which is the first time we've actually sat and done it. I mean, we did it with uh, Wes Logan when we did his, but obviously that audio was fucked. Um... And then we did it on the drive down to Vegas, but we actually have our mic set up today. We have it connected to a mixer, and we're recording on one computer today. So we'll see how this sounds. Yeah, we did a lot of tests this morning, so hopefully everybody's audio experience is better. Yeah, so we've put a lot of time and effort, a little bit of money into it. We, We have gone as cheap as we can, so it's not fucking Joe Rogan or Stone Cold Steve Austin in that fucking podcast type thing, but we have put some money into it. Um, We have some exciting guests coming up, and so we wanted to make sure that uh, we are called the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, but we wanted to be as professional as possible. Yeah, so maybe one day we can drop the un. Ah, I don't know about that. Not as long as you're my co-host. That's very true. Um, Just the on-air good-looking talent. <laughs> I don't know about that shit either. So uh, earlier today, um, I don't know if Cody's still going to be talking shit, because obviously the Golden Rooster knows where he lives at now. But um, we, we had him stop by. He recorded a short video slash promo, and uh, he dropped some news on us, so... Um, we'll, we'll play that little clip of, uh, audio, um, a little bit later in, in the episode. Uh, we'll, we'll put that in there, but just so everybody's aware, we do have the golden minute. Um, another thing that I want to let everybody know we're, we're going to be doing here in, in the near future is, uh, a couple of different segments. I do want to start them out with our guests that we're going to be having. Um, one of them is called the Unprofessional Seven. And so what it's going to be is we're going to ask questions, seven questions that you might not ask either a wrestler or a wrestling fan or a wrestling personality. And so whatever you guys want us to ask these people, you can submit it to our email. We'll drop posts so you can comment on them. And then we'll pick seven of those and we'll flat out ask our guests. So for those upcoming on the podcast, just so you're aware, um, that's going to happen. And they might be pretty unprofessional questions. Um, Other than that, we have a couple other segments coming up, but we haven't really put names on them or, or 
what they're going to be yet, so we'll let you know with that. But this is the first time you're hearing from us since NXT TakeOver and SummerSlam. Um, Boy, did we get those predictions fucking spot on. Yeah, so for those of you who listened to our podcast last week um, on NXT TakeOver, man, we sounded fucking awesome. Like We're like, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Undisputed Era is going to be draped in gold. And none of that shit actually fucking happened. So. Well, Adam Cole retained. Adam Cole retained. Um, Cody, what would you think of that match? Oh, I was fucking marking bad. I was standing the whole time. I was actually over at a barbecue and was watching it on my cell phone. That was the only match that I caught of TakeOver that actual night that it was on. And, uh, yeah, I was fucking losing my shit. My wife kept glaring at me. She's like, can you be a part of this over here? And I'm like, well, Colin Gargano's on. But. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I watched it live. I, I put a, a little, a few clips up on, um, on our pages as it was going on. Um, I thought it was good. Um, not Gargano's best match on take, on takeovers, but probably one of the better ones on, on that night. Um, there was a lot going into it. I thought the way they did the falls was unique. So, you know, Gargano pretty much lost the first fall on purpose in order to use that chair, which, I mean, maybe give... a street fight, yeah. yeah given his frustration, but, you know, um, who's, who's to say that he wouldn't have lost that next one and he would have screwed himself over, so... Mm-hmm. I want to say we talked about one that might be the dark horse would be the triple threat, which I thought was decent. It was okay. I'm being a little critical, but it felt a little choreographed to me. Like there were some spots that if it's a little sloppy, I tend to to pop a little bit more just because it, it feels realer to me. But a lot of that stuff looked like they, you know, credit to the talent. They, they put a lot of work on it and probably practiced some of those moves and some of them didn't come out, I think, the way they wanted to, and they came out too sloppy, like on, on a couple of those. But but it was it was a good match. It it was just, I guess it was the one I thought would steal the show. And in my opinion, the one that stole the show was uh, Candice LeRae and Eero and Io Shirai. Eero. Um, that was a good match. That was a damn good match. And I also think it, it kind of, um, I don't want to say the Shayna Baszler match was bad, because it wasn't. It was a different type of match. Um, but having that other woman's match on, I, I think, hampered it a little bit, just because it was on early. It was so good. The close falls, the heel work, the baby face work, all that I thought was spot on. Agreed. I, I still haven't watched Shayna and Mia Yim yet. That was the one I haven't watched. I've kind of picked those. I picked that pay-per-view apart after I, the next day when I was watching it and just watched the matches I really wanted to. Um, so, I mean, as far as recap goes, we've, we've heard, we've read that um, Johnny Gargano is going to the main roster. Whether that's true or not, you know, who knows? These dirt sheets, they bring up things, and then 
don't come through with it. But in all honesty, Johnny Gargano's done everything he can do in NXT and then some. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they do call him up to the main roster. My concern. Um, we've seen talents get called up that were super hot down in NXT. And they flounder on the main roster. Now, you know, one that comes to mind would be like, you know, Sami Zayn. AOP. Yep, AOP. Pretty much any tag team that's ever been called up. War Raiders. Yeah. The Viking experience. Um, so last year, or yeah, er- earlier in the year, they were calling up like Ricochet and Aleister Black as a tag team. And uh, Gargano and Ciampa did have a match or two on the main roster as a tag team. And what I've read is that that's the plan to bring them up as a tag team. Because Ciampa, um, as we reported on our last last podcast, is ahead of schedule and should be ready to return to the ring either this month or next month. So if that's how they go with it, okay, that's fine. Um... I almost feel like Ciampa needs to come back as the heel. And, you know, one way I would spin it, if if they're both going to go on the main roster, and whether people want to admit it or not, the main roster is very different than NXT. Right. And one way I would spin it, and Cody can give you his take on it, but um, would be, yeah, Johnny Gargano comes on as a singles guy. You know, maybe he... He goes against AJ Styles that first night and kind of highlights him, a U.S. Open challenge, um, about to win the title, kind of takes out the club, and out comes Ciampa. Beats the shit out of him. They continue their story there. And his motive could be, like, the only reason you made it to the top was because I was out, and now you're on the main roster, and people have forgot about me. And that would keep him as a heel, and it would introduce the WWE viewers to the hottest storyline that NXT has probably ever had between Gargano and Ciampa. And, you know, as many meetings as they've had together, every single one has been different, and every single one of them has kept you enthralled and watching. So I'm sure they could do that if they were given the time and they were given the space to do it on the main roster and introduce that audience to that feud. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I really have to add anything to that. Uh, Yeah, because, I mean, their feud basically started clear back in the first year that they did that Cruiserweight Classic. Like, you've seen the seeds get planted, and they even, like, early on in the – the feud, they, I mean, they alluded to that, like, and then they became DIY, and obviously the split up happened there, but, I mean, my biggest thing with Tommaso coming back is hopefully he just doesn't, he's not rushing, and he's doing it right, and he's just, you know, because I want him to be around for a while, I don't want to have him around for two months and then he's back out on the shelf with something serious or he, you know, end up like edge or angle and those guys and just keep 
freaking breaking their necks until they're basically like, okay, well, we're fusing it this time and you're done. You know, because Trumpa's still pretty young. I mean, he's in his mid-30s, but it is what it is, you know. So it sounded like a lot of it was just stuff that amounted over the years. Like, it wasn't like a serious injury, which, again, it, it's Edge had, had similar thing and everything like that. But, um, yeah, hopefully he comes back. I don't think WWE is going to rush him. Um, but, you know, reports coming out were that he was ahead of schedule. So uh, that's always good to hear. Um, so NXT was great. You know, I I have yet to see a bad takeover. Um, yeah. I, I, even going back and watching the first couple with, like, Neville and Sami Zayn and, like, clear back when they weren't even really known as takeovers yet. Um, yeah, there's, there really hasn't ever been a bad one that I can think of. And then, you know, there's some that are better than others, but as we mentioned on the, on our podcast last week, they usually, as far as wrestling goes, they outshine the, the main roster events that are usually taking place the next day. And they're usually big events like the SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, WrestleManias. Um, having said that, we can transition, I guess, into SummerSlam, and I thought SummerSlam was decent. Like, there was nothing, um, I guess, that made it stand out too much. I mean, there's two, three spots that, that we'll point out, but it wasn't the greatest of shows, but it wasn't bad. It, it, you know, all the shows, I think, they didn't overstay their welcome. Um, the first beginning of shows, I think, um... We're pretty fast-paced. Yes. I think the way they set up the card was great. You know, so they start off on, on the main show. We'll just go to the main show. Um, Becky Lynch um, retaining over Natalia in that submission match. That was a good match. And and it's – a lot of the times I feel like the crowd will shit all over these women matches, if especially if they're slower-paced, which a submission match is going to be. Because you can't just hit a big move and go for a cover, right? You, you hit a big move, and then you try to put him into submission and try to get him to tap. And so those are always going to be slower paced than a regular match. And so being able to do that, um, putting it on first, highlighting them, you got a fresh crowd still. They just went through the pre-show. I think that was smart. I thought that was a good match. I thought it, it gave Becky back her edge a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was good. And the biggest thing that they did was give them time. Yep. And then after that, like right after that, it's Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler, which again, I think it's smart because at this point the fan isn't fatigued. They're not going to shit all over the match. They did it fast. You know, it was a Goldberg match. It was, a uh, he actually took two super kicks, which was cool to see because... And he sold them pretty fucking good, too. <laughs> well, they I looked pretty surprised. hard. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Ziggler didn't put a little sauce on it. But, um... You know, make you sell, you old fuck. Bam! But it, it was it was good. It, you know, and like I, I said last week, and we put up on our memes, he sold the shit out of it. And that first spear was good, and then he comes 
what was good, and they cut it off right in time because I felt like if he would have kept talking shit, it would have been done. But, you know, he's talking shit afterwards. I guess he called him a dipshit, but it, it was... Um, censored. It was censored on my feed anyways, but yeah. that, that's what I heard. Um, and then he comes out, spears him two more times, and leaves. And, you know, the crowd popped. Um, it was good. It's what a Goldberg match should be um, because that that is what made Goldberg hot back in the day. It wasn't him coming out and putting on 10-minute matches or doing, you know, going through sequences. It was him coming out and squashing his opponents. And so if he comes out and does stuff like that, okay. Um, the big thing is, though, and we mentioned it last week, uh, Dolph continues to be a fucking stepping mat for everybody. If you want a quality match out of someone, if you want um, a good promo, a good promo, if you want heat, if you want someone to look good so you can elevate them up the card, they usually go through Ziggler. So, you know, he comes out and he talks all this shit, but I agree with the man. Nobody's going to listen because that's how he's been treated his whole career. He needs a major revamp if he's going to stay there. Um, which did you look at? Did you see the dirt sheets? About I guess him and Vince had like a handshake deal. Mm-hmm. That SummerSlam was it, and then he do the Raw, and and that was it. And I guess yep. Vince backed out on it. Yeah, I was seeing that, and they want him to stick around a little bit longer. Ziggler's always in contract negotiations with the with WWE. Like when he signs, he doesn't sign for very long. He was supposed to be gone a lot longer on his last little hiatus while he was doing like his comedy comedy tour and all the stuff he's doing outside of WWE. And he actually came back like he wasn't supposed to be at the Royal Rumble. And like 11th hour, Vince calls him and says, hey, uh, I know you're in town. So That's where he lives. Yeah. Uh, you want to come do the Rumble? We'll put you in a number 30. So yeah. You get time, you know. And so, I mean, it, it is what it is. I'm I'm a, a huge Ziggler advocate. It's just, it's hard for even me to care, and and I like Ziggler, but it's he's, hard. He's like our, our this generation's Chris Jericho. He goes, uh, kind of, and then he comes back. and I mean, he doesn't reinvent himself every time like Jericho did, but... So he has these returns that actually like because to put people over. Yeah. Yeah. But but the thing with that differs between him and Jericho was Jericho was still believable because he'd have his title runs. He'd come out. He wouldn't get squashed all the time. He would play the chicken shit heel and he'd play it pretty well. But you still believed he was going to come out and win. You know, true. He still. And with Ziggler, it's like, okay, yeah, he won that match, but, you know, it's next match. He, he won one match, he's going to lose three, four in a row. You know, it, it's hard for people to care when when you know what's coming. So with this reinvention they've done with Bray Wyatt, like, he needs something similar. He needs, uh, I would say, a name change, uh, a look change, um, 
have him, even him come Company out. changed. <laughs> AEW confirmed. I don't know about that, but um, but yeah, so so that's where he's at, you know. And props to him for coming out. And Goldberg looked great. Uh, he sold the shit out of those spears, um, and it it was what it was. That was the one thing I was waiting for during that whole match when it came on when I rewatched it was oh. The spear's got to be coming here pretty quick. Yeah. And I was like, how good? Is he going to oversell it like years ago when Hogan and Sean wrestled at SummerSlam and HBK oversold fucking everything just because he didn't want the match with Hogan and Vince forced him into it? Well, it was HBK. That. So get your, get your shit right. It was supposed to be like a, a trilogy type thing. Right. And and Hogan decided, well, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose to this guy. I'm gonna, you know, I want to go over, whatever the case may be. So Sean, okay, you're gonna go over, motherfucker, and oversold everything on. Oh him. yeah. Um. So, Sorry. <laughs> Let me fact check my shit. Yeah, fact check your shit, Jesus Christ. Um. So the next match was AJ Styles against Ricochet. Um, which I thought was decent. Like, it was good. I thought the selling Ricochet did on his leg was great. Um, he, he played up the baby face. AJ played up the heel with his faction, with the OC, with Gallows and Anderson. And there was one spot that I'll mention when he did a, uh, Ricochet did a springboard off the rope, and his leg was so hurt that he springboarded off of one leg, which I thought was fucking, yeah. was great. Um... But it seems like that match was highlighted by Ricochet's ring attire because he came out dressed as Nightwing. Um, and there's memes out there that have him compared to, to gaming chair and I shit it like that. Cool. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was fine. It was, it was. It was different. Yeah, but you know, us toxic wrestling fans are always going to find something to gripe about. And while the match was fine, it was it was good. Um, we decided to bitch about his ring attire. I liked it. So I um, thought he could have played it up a little better and came out on, you know, like so a this cycle or something. What this tells me, because we <laughs> talked about um, Ricochet taking the U.S. and maybe AJ becoming the top heel and moving up. He's keeping the title. Yeah. Gallows and Anderson have the tag titles. And I feel like they're really buying into the O.C., yeah. To the what, club. What I'm really liking is that they're giving it kind of the old school Bullet Club feel of, you know, 2016, late 2015, when they were all still over in New Japan. And Gallows would, like, extremely paint his face and just his ring attire was, you know, every everything, like, what I, what I seen walking out on SummerSlam, like, Take the OC shirts off and put Bullet Club gear on them, and it's the exact same thing with well, those three. What's great is is uh, they got that mob mentality type thing, right? Um, which is we've seen bits and pieces of it before on WWE, uh, but they always move away from it, and mm -hmm. so I think they're gonna buy into it. Where it goes, I'm not sure, but um, it seems like they're gonna hold down that mid card for a while, and 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 um, Go from there. 
makes you wonder if, like, obviously they've been saying that Gallows and Anderson, they've been wanting them to re-sign, wanting them to re-sign. I don't know officially if they've re-signed yet or they not. They re-signed. Okay, so they did. Um, I think four years. Four years. So I'm wondering if they put Vince up against the block and said, hey, like, we're going to be straight up with you. Like, we can go to All Elite right now and they'll let us do whatever the fuck we want. You know, and the Bullet Club, if we put a fact, a form of that back together in All Elite Wrestling, we're going to kick your ass. So you either give us Finn and AJ and let us do it here. I don't think it went that way. I think if anything, it went, AJ went to Vance and said, look, like, you got me for five years. This is kind of what I want. If I'm not in the main event picture, that's fine. But, you know, give us a try as the faction. Like, we sold all these shirts. We did all this in New Japan. Like, let us see if it translates to the American audience, which it obviously does. Well, yeah, that's obvious because you still see Bullet Club shirts at WWE events. Yep. So, Um, hopefully, they teased a little thing with Finn saying, hey, brother, you need some help with that Bray Wyatt guy. And they kind of, like, teased it. Yeah. But Finn's supposed to be disappearing off TV for a while anyway, so. He's gone. He fucking got killed by The Fiend. But yeah. we'll get to that here in a bit. Um, Kevin Owens beats Shane McMahon, which I think everybody knew was going to happen, given the stipulation. This is the match, and I don't know if you've seen it, Cody. I hope you've seen it. Yeah. I skipped out on it. So I watched bits and pieces here and there. Um, but it was, I don't know. It was when I seen Elias come out as ring enforcer, which you knew it would. Right. I kind of just, I did some other stuff around the house. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't one of the better matches of the night, obviously. Um, I think Shane and KO last year, where'd they have that cell match at? Was that at Hell in a Cell? It was at Hell in a Cell. Sammy Zayn came out. Yeah, when Sammy turned heel. Um, I thought that one was way better. Had more dramatics in it. This one just felt like, oh, well, we're just going to, you know, Shane's going to do his underhanded heel shit, try to get one over on Kevin, and Kevin's going to overcome. And Yeah. It, they're really, I can't think of anything special in the match that makes it go, ooh, that was cool. I mean, it, I'm not saying it was a shitty match. It was just. It yeah. was what we expected it to be. Shane trying to yeah, so. cheat the win and Kevin stunning him at the end. And yeah, I think that that, that. that's all we'll talk about. Um, and we had Charlotte Flair against Trish Stratus. I did not watch this one. I did not either, but I heard it was good. I'm meaning to get back to watching it. Um, and we you can know, always throw it up on the TV right here. We'll just turn yeah. the volume down. So... I mean, got an official podcast studio today, people. Yeah, or so he says. Um, but yeah, uh, Charlotte won, which which we knew she would, and got a got a nice notch under her belt. Um, when all was said and done, you know, ten fifteen years from now, Charlotte is gonna go down as the best female performer, uh, wrestler. Of all time. And it's good that she's getting this this type of stuff. You know, if you were going to translate it to males um, from a different era, it would, of course, you know, um, 
being that it's so male do- dominated, you could you could put it as like The Rock against Hogan. It, it's that type of star power for the women. Of course, Trish never drew like any of them, but if you were given their their uh, genre, I guess the the women's wrestling, that is how you would translate it. And so it's good for Charlotte to get this win. They've kept her away from the title picture for now, um, but she's she's the best they have, you know. Um, we've got a new infusion, which we'll talk here a little bit, but she is the best, and she's going to go down as the best. So for her to get that win over her, I think is great. Um, and then we go to Kofi Kingston against Randy Orton. This one kind of ended a little different than I thought it was going to. Yeah. But it had some good story in it, so. Yeah, it, it had a lot of history. Um, this is something I don't think the WWE touches on too much, um, which they should. They have the network. They have years and years and years and years of data, of video, of pay-per-views, of feuds. Um, and Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton have had their bouts before. And what I really liked about this is they brought that history back into it. You know, different paths. Now they're both back together fighting for the same prize. The way it ended, and and you guys probably seen memes out there as well. We didn't make them, but I thought they were funny. Is it was a double count out at the end. Where Randy's out there talking shit to, you know, Kofi's woman. Kofi gets pissed. And that was nice to see that different side of Kofi. That... You know, more aggressive yeah, side. Yeah, like, like, don't fuck with my family or I'll fuck you up. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool to see. Yeah. Um, how it ended in a double countout, I, I would have much rather it seen like a disqualification where Kofi right. snaps and because he ended up doing it anyways, you know, like beating the shit out of him. And, mm-hmm. um, and then the, the story still continues, which if you watch SmackDown, it's still going to continue. Right. And from what I've read, it's going to be another maybe two or three events. So they're giving Kofi a long run with this. I actually, and you know, to be honest, like I'm cool with it. And if you haven't watched the 24 on Kofi yet, it is, uh, it really, really shows a different side of it. Like the reach that WWE has across the world and the reach that one person holding that title can actually bring to like, people like you think of like Hogan and Moyer back in the day like in the 80s and well I think it means a lot like for people um I think in America we take a lot for granted you know but you go to these other places and if you have one winner out of these um, millions of people out of this third world country or or a place where they don't necessarily have the same opportunities that you do in America. In America, the way you're brought up is you can grow up and be anything. You can be anyone you want. You just got to work hard. In other countries and other places, because I've been to Mexico, um, it's you can survive. You know, you can work hard and you can survive. And so having, you know, like Kofi um, come from... Where is it? Ghana, West Africa. Yeah. Have them come from there, 
Not you can, Jamaica. Yeah. Not you Jamaica. can you can tell you can tell, you know, the kids be like, Look, hey, Kofi came from here. Like yeah. you know what I mean? And and I've seen some of that before, like with Batista, who is part Filipino when he uh-huh. went to the Philippines. And it's the same thing with like Manny Pacquiao, who's from oh, the Philippines. Geez. He was just huge, right? Right. And and so it gives people hope. And that might be part of the reason I think Kofi is still is still champion. He's the ultimate underdog champion, which I have nothing against. He's a great worker. His matches have been great, have been highlights of the card every single time. I just want him a little bit more serious. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah, I you get a little semblance of what brought New Day to the table, what what brought Kofi to the table here the last year with, you know, the comedy stuff. But I feel like it's it's coming down a little bit, especially when like like they start it, but they always end it with something serious. Like when he comes out for SummerSlam, he's doing the whole thing, you know. And then the minute uh, Randy like even looks towards his family and says all this, you know, whatever, he shifts, and now it's like no more fucking around. I mean, you can see it, and he plays it in his facial expressions and the whole nine yards. And on SmackDown this week. It was the same way. Yeah. It was it was a good promo by Randy, and, you know, they're out there hamming it up, New Day style, like normal, and then the minute Randy's music hits, like, Kofi's expression just changes. And then, you know, what he says yeah. gets Kofi going again, so. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was good. The finish was a little screwy, but it was, it was a fine match. Um, the Fiend debuts. That was an awesome fucking entrance. That was some cool shit. Yeah, I mean it was, it was cool. It it's been censored now on YouTube with the the headlamp that's a severed head, uh, brave severed head or what it looks like. Um, from what I've read, from what I've seen, this was the reason for the TV fourteen rating of SummerSlam, because everything else was just fucking the same. Like I kept. Looking, I thought I thought Lesnar might pull a a SummerSlam from a couple of years ago when he beat the shit out of Orton, yeah, and and maybe fuck up Seth that way. Um, but I think this was the reason for the TV fourteen. Um, the entrance was fucking awesome. The presentation was fucking awesome. I thought the match went a little too long. It wasn't a long match, but I just thought he should have come in and just. Just Plowed absolutely him, demolished done. him, yeah. Yeah. And so Finn did get some offense in. Um, I think at the point we're at now where Finn is scheduled to take some time off, when he comes back, he they could sell it as, you know, he regrouped, he's back, he's he's a little bit more demon-esque in his just regular Finn Balor. I think the demon, and I mentioned it before, has hurt Finn Balor as a performer. It's cool, um, but if it's if you get a pick between the the demon and Finn Balor, you're always gonna pick the demon because the demon's cooler. But he doesn't pull him out as much, and I think the reason for it is so he doesn't become stale. But as I mentioned before, if if you're only gonna pull him out every so often, and there's big pay per view matches, you know, like when he went against Lesnar, how come he wasn't the fucking demon then? You're going against Lesnar. You know what I mean? 
summon that fucking demon and go out for your win, but he came out as Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. So you knew he was going to lose. And that's my thing. That's that's my take on it, is he's got to incorporate a little bit more of that into his everyday Finn Balor. Agreed. Um, yeah, maybe maybe split the... Because, I mean, you see it with Bray Wyatt right now where he's like, you know, the little... He's not the fiend when he does the funhouse thing. He's kind of like, you know, let me in kind of a thing. Like, they almost kind of maybe need to do that with Finn a little bit to where, like... Yeah, and I've said it before. Like, just come out with, like, half your face painted. Like, you're you're there, but you're not there. You know what I mean? Like, a little bit more aggressive, like... Yeah, quit with the smile. Just... Okay, so just turn him into Prince Devitt from fucking 2015 when he first started the Bullet Club. Yeah. There you go. That's what you need to do. Zero fucks given. Finn Balor, Prince Devitt from New Japan Pro Wrestling. That would be pretty cool. Um, but, you know, he came out. Bray Wyatt re-debuted. I thought it was cool shit. I hope they don't fuck it up, but... I don't have my hope high. If they fuck this up one more time, I think he's done. I think he'll go into the Dolph Ziggler type thing. I think, and I hope it builds to it. What I really like, not just about The Fiend, but this new reincarnation of Bray Wyatt, is he's not shying away from his past. He's kind of, you know, he's he's shown some of that Husky Harris with his puppets and the, the old Bray Wyatt stuff mm-hmm. and the way he's apologizing to people on Twitter and just stuff like that. I think that's fucking awesome. I hope this leads to a rematch against Taker at WrestleMania. Retires Taker. And that's well, the end of it. What should happen like seven years ago? Yeah, I don't think it goes that long, but yeah, exactly. But if that's the route we're going, where he's kind of taking his revenge out or taking his frustrations from the past out on people, yeah, let's let's see a rematch against the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. No, I'm down. Um, and then the main event: Seth Rollins against Brock Lesnar. I thought this match was much better than it deserved to be. Uh, especially given the, the lead-up to it. Um, I I didn't know how they were going to pull it out, given the beating that Lesnar gave the Rollins the previous weeks. Yeah. But it, it was fine. You know, he sold, he sold uh, how he was hurt. Um, Lesnar was a great, you know, he was good. He put on a good match. And Seth Rollins is a champion again. Yeah. Here's my issue. Logic, Logic-wise, why did he lose the title to begin with? Why did Brock Lesnar win Money in the Bank? Why was it wasted like that? For shock and awe? For, that is bullshit yep. to me. Yep. It's Brock Lesnar. He doesn't need the briefcase to win a title. Agreed. <laughs> and so I said that before. And it was, you know, and okay, it is what it is. Let, let's give it some time. Let's see what happens. He used a briefcase. He cashed in. He won the title. Okay. A month fucking later, he loses again. That's my thing is now the briefcase is wasted. 
you've wasted an opportunity to build up a future star and Brock Lesnar doesn't get a rematch. Like it's just done. It's mm-hmm. it's stupid to me. That's yeah. my only gripe. It's not it's not the match itself. The match was fine. It's just the logic between the title change. The title change and the money in the bank briefcase. Yeah, like yeah. Seth Rollins was getting stale. I, I give you that. That's not. I think his. that's more what it was about. I think. Well, prior Extreme Rules, they were like, "What are you? You're putting him up against Baron Corbin." Yeah, which I know. Baron Corbin is fine, but he's a mid Carter. He's 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 one of those guys who gets under your skin, and that's about it, though. Like you don't want him main eventing your pay per views. I don't want to see him main eventing the pay per views. I get it. You you want to build new stars. You want to build these guys up, but I don't think he's there yet. And so, well, they did such a transformation with Corbin over the last two years. Like there was nothing wrong with the original Baron Corbin. Like if anything, I actually like the NXT first call up Baron Corbin instead yeah. of this. But I mean, I, I get it. Now, like, like he's bartender slash bouncer. He'll, he'll be. He'll get better. He'll. Oh, yeah, he he's. I remember The Miz. I could not stand The Miz. I could not stand him. When he had that world title run against John Cena, when he won at WrestleMania and he was the champion and all that, I had the same feelings like I do for Corbin now. And Miz lately has transformed into a great heel. And so I'm not giving up on Corbin. I just don't want to see him there right now. Like, let it happen... Uh, gradually, organically. Right. So, I mean, that was SummerSlam. My biggest gripe is just the logic between the title change and now you don't have a money in the bank. Now you don't have an easy out for later in the year or you don't have the opportunity to build up a superstar like you did before. So what's the... I guess we could talk about it now. So, well... I want to go back and touch on Money in the Bank. Like, it's almost losing its luster now. Like, I feel like the last couple of years they did quick cash-ins and they don't... Like, on the women's side, it's cool. Like, they've done okay with it, but... Yeah, except when Ellsworth won it. Well, yeah, okay. So the first incarnation of it wasn't (laughs) that great. But um, I almost think... I mean, Money in the Bank's a big pay-per-view, but... So, the issue with it for me, here's the issue. It shouldn't be a pay-per-view. I think it should still be at WrestleMania. Because it gives you that option at WrestleMania to cash in, to um, use it then. And it gives some of your more exciting performers that can't make it on the card an opportunity to shine. You know, who's to say you only have to make it six to eight people? Put ten of them in there, you know. You can do spots. There's ten men, ten women. You know, that's 20, 30 minutes of your show. And you get to highlight your people. And now it's it's like a six-hour show. And you don't have those exciting spots in there anymore. Very true. So I don't think it should be its own pay-per-view. I get why they do it. But I think uh, it should go back on Mania as it originated. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. The standalone pay per view anymore, no more. Just have it be a match. Yep. 
maybe do like the women's one at, at SummerSlam and then do the male one at WrestleMania and yeah, you know, split them up. But yeah, rename that pay per view something else. Maybe bring Great Balls of Fire back. Yeah. Um. So I guess we could touch on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, we'll just touch on the big things. You know, one thing, and and we made we made some memes about it. Um, this was a fine SummerSlam. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. It was surprising that you oversaturate some of these stars like Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, uh, Braun Strowman, and yet they are not on your biggest show of the summer. Which again, I thought was fine. The mat, I thought the card was was shorter. Everybody had time. Things weren't rushed, but they went at a fast pace, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't. You didn't get lag in between. You were like, oh. Yeah. The the surprising part of it was there really was no mention of these guys either, though. No, there wasn't. I mean, they had that. I'm assuming it was on the kickoff show when Rowan went and faced Buddy Murphy. Yeah. I see. I didn't even watch the kickoff show, but that was about the only mention of anything Roman Reigns esque because what, of yeah, and the it, backstory. It's surprising because they got this big story that you know is pretty much closing out Raw, uh, you know, and big angle on SmackDown, and then going into your summer show, no mention of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get you know, given the bombshell we dropped last week, that it's actually the Golden Rooster. Behind these attacks, um, I get maybe why they're pulling back on it, and uh, you know maybe Rooster's onto something. Maybe WWE's trying to twist it into into something for them because there's no mention of it. Like they, it, it's almost like they drop the storyline for SummerSlam and then come Raw and SmackDown, they bring it back up. Yeah. And so I guess we'll see what happens I next week. I think they had to do damage control. They yeah. Had but uh, that that was weird. Um, but going into Raw, the big news coming out of Raw is uh, Sasha Banks is back, which is great. I think it's good for business. I think Becky Lynch had gotten stale. Again, maybe no fault of her own. I think... And we mentioned this before, going into, into WrestleMania and stuff, she was starting to lose some of her luster. And I think it was because there was too much of her. You know, both shows, then coming out of WrestleMania, double champion, you know, two matches on one card. Okay, and, and now she's back to one belt. I get why they did it. They wanted to capitalize on how big she had become. But she also didn't have the challengers to elevate her. Lacey Evans was fine. I didn't think there was anything wrong with her. But she didn't have that star power to elevate her either. Charlotte, we'd seen it before. You know, let's split them up for a little bit. Which they have, which has been... And then Natalia is, is great, but it was almost like she was just swung in there. There was no character development. There was nothing for the fan to care about Natalia as a challenger to face uh, Becky Lynch. Um, I, I thought they did fine with what they had. She's a great wrestler. But they needed someone for people to care about as a heel that you could 
And and the way they booked it, it was a submission match, which yes, Natalia uses a sharpshooter. But how you've elevated Becky, you're not gonna book her to tap out. There's no way, right? Right. And so, I think having Sasha Banks back is great. Um, I think having that hiatus, blurring the line. Yes, blur the lines on this one. Blurring the line of like she's pissed, she's not pissed, she's liking AEW shit, she's completely gone from WWE programming. There wasn't any mention of her until last week when Becky kind of cut a promo on it, and that's kind of where you know people knew she was coming back. Yeah. Um, but still, when she came back, that was great. How she came back was great. I don't know what the whole deal with the wig thing was. I don't know why she couldn't just come out with blue hair. It's like, okay, here's my purple hair. Oh, look, I got blue hair. I'm evil now. <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But it was it was great, you know, going out. I think Italia. just she came out smiling, doing her whole thing. So everybody's thinking, oh, it's just it's just normal Sasha Banks. You know, yeah. it's the same one that we just haven't seen. And then, yeah, I mean. So yeah, that's 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 great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm glad she's back. Um, you see some of those chair shots she laid on Becky? Yeah, yeah, she fucked up. But, <laughs> um, I think they both fucked up. Yeah, I think I think it's it's good. It's good for Becky. I think it's gonna get Becky hot again, which is good for the business and for the women's division. Yeah, because those two going back to some of the stuff they did in NXT when they were few years back they they had some good they had some good programs down in nxt so yep i'm uh i even seen a lot of people bitching that well if she's gonna come back why didn't she go against why didn't she go after bailey and try to take her title from her i was like it's probably good that they keep these two separate right now keep yep yep no i i think i think uh she needs some of her heat back. And if you put, you know, if you put Sasha and Bailey and Charlotte on the same brand and just have Becky over here, Becky's going to suffer because you can intertwine these girls differently, elevate some other stars and, and go that route. Right. Um, so that's good. The other big thing coming out of Raw, well, I thought it was a big thing, uh, Cedric Alexander against Drew McIntyre. That was a good match. Yeah, it was. And then on SmackDown, you had Roman Reigns against Buddy Murphy. That, that was, was a good fucking match. good. And, oh fuck, he sold that spear, fucking awesome. Yeah, Buddy and, Murphy showed out like. Yep. Which is great good. because you know reading off the dirt sheets is saying that that wasn't even planned. Like he was just in the shop when the Golden Rooster dropped all that shit on Reigns or whatever, and so they they ran with it again. Like we mentioned, damage control or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Um. It was, I think it's a testament to those people because not a lot of people, including myself, um, have time to watch 205 Live. And Buddy yeah, Murphy and Cedric Alexander have done some good stuff on there. And they were able to perform against these top guys. And I think it's a testament both to Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns, you know, being able to do that too. Like Yeah, because they're both bigger guys. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, they're at the top, so being able to or willing to go out there and, and you know, sell for these guys and, and do stuff like that with them 
is great. Mm. Um, other than that, on Raw, we had uh, AJ against Seth, and Strowman comes out and helping him out against the club. And I, mm. I guess it's, uh, from what I've read, it's going to be Strowman against Seth, which I guess is Well, funny. on this Monday, it's supposed to be Strowman's... AJ's got to defend the U.S. title against Strowman on Monday. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And this is probably the biggest news that came out of Monday, besides Sasha coming back. King of the Ring. King of the Ring. Yeah. Which is good. Like... I haven't done that in a while. It's been a while. I think Uh, the last winner was, like, Sheamus? No, it was Bad News Barrett. Oh, wow. Uh, I think it was 2015. I did some research on it the other day. Yeah, and so... Yep. It was Sheamus before that, that's right. That's the last one I can remember. I didn't even remember Barrett on King So, I think this is a a good thing if they do it right. So... The G1 this year has been the most popular thing outside of the WWE, in my opinion. Outside of WWE, outside of AEW, the G1, the tournament, because of John Moxley and some of these other guys being in the tournament, yeah. has been huge. And so if they do this with this King of the Ring type thing, like put on these competitive matches with the superstars that they have and give some of these guys some time, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. If they if they play it up and then have the finals on like a pay per view, with something on the line, not just the King of the Ring. Yeah. Like so, we're we're getting into the fall. Make it a title match at Survivor Series. Yep. You don't have the money in the bank anymore. Make it. Hey, you get to choose what champion you go against. Yep. Or whatever brand you're from, you go against that champion. But that I think that would be great. So I'm already I already got my pick to win. Who? It's got to be KO. I I think it has to be. I don't think so. I don't think he needs it. Uh, I'm going to go with McIntyre or Almas. Ah, uh, okay. Either one of those. Just because Almas, I think... I mean, strumming off of our uh, takeover and SummerSlam predictions, it's probably going to be like Apollo Crews, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Baron Corbin just to fucking spite us. <laughs> but, yeah. no, I, I think that's who it, it would be or who it should be just because I feel like these guys need that exposure and need that rub. Drew McIntyre is on the line of getting stale. They've protected him, mm-hmm. but they haven't done anything with him. God, they should have. And so, I was expecting him and Taker at SummerSlam, to be yeah. quite honest. I really was. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with it, but that that's um, that's big news. And so um, we also have just on SmackDown, Kofi and Randy, they kind of kept that feud going. Mm-hmm. Shane comes out and finds KO at $100,000. Well, it was 105 after he threw the stool at Shane. That TV. whole shit is just... Yeah, I... I... They should have been done after SummerSlam. Like, okay, Shane, go bye-bye. So here's my thing with stuff like that, though. Uh, can we agree Kayfabe's dead? Oh, absolutely. It's dead, right? In so, some companies. New Japan is still pretty relevant. Yeah. To an extent. But, you know, yes, uh, you're all characters on the screen. You're supposed to portray this. You know people aren't getting fined. 
if they could, if they, I think how this started was great. Uh, KO was saying what fans were feeling, like, hey, we're getting too much Shane McMahon. But now it's become a 90s storyline where I'm your boss, you're getting fined or you're getting suspended or you're mm-hmm. getting this, this, and this. No, just be like, hey, he's, you're not supposed to be doing that shit. Like, that, that is your boss. But, you know, what's he going to do? Find you on live TV? Do it behind the scenes. If you do it behind the scenes, like just drop a quick one-paragraph thing on WWE.com, KO's been fined $100,000. KO's been suspended. Take him off for one night and actually keep him off. People are going to be like, oh, shit, this was legit. Even though it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I think everybody knows that anything WWE even puts out like that, Yes and no. What happened with uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley? Yeah. Okay. When they put out, "Hey, he's leaving," in at the end of this time, it was like, "Fuck, is this a storyline?" Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you on that instance. Yes, but I'm sorry if they wouldn't have did that on TV and they would have dropped WWE news exclusive KO has been fined $105,000. I've been like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. But they don't wrestling fans read between the lines. You know, they'll look for things when it's not there. If all of a sudden, Hey, KO's not there. What's going on? One pair. KO has been fined for his actions last week. Right. Shit like that. Just, I think it has more impact long run. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So, I guess those are my gripes. Um, you want to touch on New Japan a little bit? You oh, probably yes. watched more of it than I have. Um, so, I went back and picked through matches that I wanted to see. So, um, the one I still need to go back and watch is Ibushi and Okada. I haven't seen that one yet, but I did watch. So, I watched the finals last night. I watched Ibushi and... Uh, Switchblade Jay White, and yeah, it was it was good. Uh, big news coming out of the last night of the G1 was Kenta joined the Bullet Club, turning on Shibata and those guys. Um, chaos. Yeah, turn on chaos. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that was cool. So like I. I'm not a, a huge New Japan guy. I'm not going to claim to be. I do watch it. I do follow it a lot more, I would say, this year than, than previous years. Um, but right around the time I started tuning in a lot more regularly was when Shibata got injured, when when he was out. Like, mm-hmm. I remember seeing those highlights. And so there's big news there because he's huge. Um, there's a lot of, you know, he'll never wrestle again. Due mm-hmm. to his injuries, his head injuries, but what he did um, at the finals there showed promise. Like it's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, is it going to be Kenta against Shibata at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's kind of looking like what there's. I mean, New Japan's famous for when they start storylines, they start in the ring. They don't start in backstage segments. Like they're not entertainment. At all, they are sports centric. Unless you're Chris Jericho, because his promos back there are pretty fucking top notch. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, so there's not these big story, elaborate storylines like it. Basically, if you're taking somebody out, and I mean, we even seen it with Minoru Suzuki taking out Okada on the final night too. Like, 
well, where are we going with that? So, yeah, and so, um, Minoru Suzuki is not an old man I would fuck with. <laughs> Dude will fucking kill you. I feel so, like Don Callis right now. I'm all scared of Minoru Suzuki. I should take off running. Should. I miss Don Callis on New Japan commentary, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. I don't think Rocky Romero is bad. No, I like Rocky. Yeah. And Kevin um, Kelly's fucking awesome. Yeah. I just feel bad for Callis. He's got to sit next to Josh Matthews. <laughs> and um, another thing, too, is people were, were fucking pissed when they found out the final was um, Ibushi against Jay White. And I didn't think it was, it was a bad call. You know, like, Jay White's a heel. Like, he's got some of his heat back. When he came into the tournament, start, especially starting 0-2, same well, with Ibushi. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then rebounding from that, like, I think he got some of his heat back. Like, because he was declared a leader of Bullet Club, and then he was going through all these losses and kind of became an afterthought, Bullet Club kind of became an afterthought, like just another faction type deal. Yeah. And I think with this, with the integration of Kenta, I think not only Jay White, but the Bullet Club is back on top. So people were pissed, though. They're saying, you know, Jay White shouldn't be in the finals and kind of worried about him going against Okada. Um, And ultimately, I think the right man won with Ibushi and... His run is going to be great. His match with Okada at Wrestle Kingdom is going to be great. And if they decide to put the title on him there, I don't think that's anything wrong. There's anything wrong with that. Nope. I totally agree. So I think that's the big stuff coming out of New Japan. Um, The Super J Cup is coming up, which Uh is going to fucking just kill me. Like, me trying to keep up with this. nine hours away. (laughs) Yeah, we ain't going to that Fucking go. But uh, the G1 was great. I thought, and it was it was the first one I'd have actually really followed. Me personally, I know Cody's followed them previously. But that Super J Cup, like some of the people have been announced, is going to be fucking awesome. Um, Jesus, dude. Yeah. Amazing Red. Amazing Red versus Will Osprey. So he's nice. been name dropped a lot by. Popular guys, Amazing Red has. But I don't think people really know who he is. You need to do yourself a favor and go back. He had some great runs in early TNA. Yes, he did. And then he kind of fell off for a while. And he's one of those guys who I don't think gets the recognition. Obviously, from his peers, he does. But from the fan base themselves, he was... If I had to compare him to someone with what he did, but with a smaller company, he was Rey Mysterio. Like, how Rey Mysterio has been the innovator, the the go-to guy for Lucha Libre in the States, this guy was, um, you know, to guys like Ricochet, Osprey, Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. it was Amazing Red. Sasha the Banks. indie guy. Yeah, it was him. And so look him up. I'm sure they got stuff on YouTube from his TNA run, from his indie stuff. Yeah, even go back and watch some early House of Glory stuff because, I mean, that's that's who's running House of Glory. Yeah. I mean, he's a big component of that. And I'm really happy that he's going to get this 
uh, he's going to be in this tournament and get, get uh, I guess, another shot because he didn't get a lot in TNA. Like, he was there. He was prominent with the X Division. Um, but New Japan's huge right now. And so he's going to have that opportunity to show out there. Granted, at an older age, but if he's half of what he was, I think he's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I mean, Osprey could look, make him look good, too. I mean, yeah. Osprey's all 24 years old. Is he that young? I don't know. I don't think he's that young. Okay, 25 at the most. But look it up. Not look it up, Cody. We'll come back to it. But Okay. Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, shit. Not Hot Lesbian Action. Shit. <laughs> Why is that on there? Fuck, Cody. It's it's like an app. It pops up all the time. <laughs> that that's why we have a bunch of audio issues. All that fucking porn has got all this viruses on this computer. So, um, yeah. but you know, other big news I guess we could touch on is All Out is coming up. It's in what two weeks? Yeah, two. It'll be two weeks when this drops. Two weeks or so. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, and and there's good matches on there. I really hope they show out like they've done at like Double or Nothing and stuff like that because this is huge, I think, um, for the common wrestling fan. It's kind of died out a little bit, and I just think it's because they haven't been on TV. They haven't, you know, they're getting ready to ramp back up. Right. And um, I hope... Uh, Everything stays exciting with them, and and I know they're in an uphill battle just because it, it's kind of shitty. Like, I get why they're doing it, like WWE, like putting up NXT against them and stuff. A two-hour show is what we've seen. Um, but I don't know. Like, just let it be. Like, do your own shit and let them do their shit, and I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. it feels petty sometimes. Like, some of the stuff with the contracts, too. Like, holding on to people just because you don't want them to go work somewhere else. Like, fuck that. Like, you got plenty of talent. If you're not using them, let them go. Let them go do their own thing. And then just keep keep uh, good relationships with them. And be like, hey, man, like, go out there. Build up your star power. This is what we're looking for. We're not saying you're good enough. We're just saying we don't have a spot for you now. Yeah. Go out there, build yourself up, come back. We need to go, yeah, we need to go back to the territory systems, to be honest, in a way. I mean, I know it'll never do that, because Vince has got it monopolized. But, you know, his way of having competition is having three brands under his banner, you know. But, all right, we, we haven't talked on it before, and we'll touch on it a little bit here, and maybe we could, on further episodes, but... um. Anyway, I found the Will Osprey stuff. Okay, go. Okay. William Peter Charles Osprey was born May 7, 1993. So, he is 26. 26. I made him fact check his check. I made him He's fact check. He's 86 kilograms. His shit. You're welcome. And did you know his first two ring names? No. Dark Britannica and Neo Britannica. Okay. Not know that. All right, we're done with Will Osprey. What I was gonna say is we we've seen Cody and I. We've seen the rise of ROH as as high as it could get. It's it's 
kind of dead now, but yeah. not dead. It's just not what it was. It's not producing anything of substance right now. Um, but we've seen the rise of ROH. We've seen the rise of TNA. We've seen the rise of New Japan. I watched the rise of WCW. <laughs> okay, we're not there yet. <laughs> we've seen all this stuff in recent years. None of it has made WWE change. None of it has been um, what would be considered competition. Even if they've named themselves competition like TNA did back in the day. Mm-hmm. But none of it has been any any sort of a threat or perceived as a threat like AEW has. AEW is not going to put WWE out of business. But what AEW has done, in my opinion is it's made them look at their shit and actually reevaluate. The last two to three months, I would say, things have progressively gotten better. They've hired Paul Heyman. They've hired Eric Bischoff. Whether that produces for them or not is still to be said. But they got, you know, I think they're looking at things a little bit differently. They've become edgier. They've put on more wrestling. They've moved away a little bit more from the authority figures, stuff like that. So I think they're listening a little bit more to us toxic internet fans because we know we don't have to watch that anymore and we can go to an alternative on Wednesday nights on TNT. Now, if you do that, and you get rid of WWE, like a lot of people have unsubscribed from the network and and stuff like that, you're also losing out on NXT. NXT, I think, was what kept people at bay and was like, all right, we're not going to change our main roster stuff, but here's NXT. Here's this shit for you internet indie fans. Yeah, Watch this. Marks over there. Yeah. And, and now... It's. It, I think it's translating into the main roster a little bit more. Starting to. Yeah. yeah. And and say what you will about AEW or if it lasts, I'm I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping it does great. But if it doesn't, it has caused WWE to look at their shit. Agreed. And you and you know they're paying attention because you see the comments that are being made, like Vince coming out of his way to call it a blood and guts promotion. Yep. So that means to tell me, he's seen Cody and Dustin. Yeah, well... He probably, somebody probably sent it to him in an email and said, Hey Vince, you better watch this. Yeah, but like the other thing is too is... is what the Rhodes boys did. Yeah, Vince and, and, and company, WWE, they have to answer to their sponsors. They have to answer to the board of directors. They have to, hey, what's going on with this? This is creating some buzz. They have to be in the know. Mm-hmm. And, and Vince is a smart guy he'll get his flag but when he dies that's going to be the biggest loss to wrestling as a whole yeah he's the man he's, who basically put yeah, it on the map he's and revolutionized it and um, wow we're not trying to get heat with Vince right now <laughs> no but he love you I mean the golden rooster might not like these comments but, but he's he's made it what it is today Good or bad, he's he's yeah. he's put it he there. He gave us some. I mean, regardless of, I know a lot of people don't like the Attitude Era, but he gave us some good moments in the Attitude Era with him and Austin, and but, as a character on an on-screen, like 
He's probably the most hated hill of all time. Yep. But his influence, good or bad, you know, his influence not pushing Cody Rhodes, you know, not getting some of these guys, not, you know, not listening to internet fans, his influence has caused this other promotion to grow. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And that's, now... It's a good way to look at it. And so, he's he's the biggest deal. He's a smart guy, and he's getting asked questions about this other company. So that's going to make you change a little bit. Hey, I'm going to lose this demographic of 18 to 30-year-olds who are interested in seeing a wrestling product, you know, who want to see a little bit more violence, who want to see this, this, or that. Um, how do I get them back? You have the talent. You just got to get out of your own way. And so I, I think uh, it's good for the business. I think there's too much wrestling for us to cover it all. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there's so much we don't even cover. It's it's causing issues at home, guys. So see so you guys know. Our wives are not, well, my wife is not a fan of this podcast or of me um, watching wrestling. So. Right there with you. Um, anyways, <laughs> we got some exciting stuff. Um, hopefully this audio turns out okay. We, Like I said, we put some money into some mics, uh, a mixer, and, and we got a pretty prominent figure, hopefully, coming up on one of our podcasts here soon. Um, here in the southern Idaho area, and so we'll we'll drop a little bit more details on it once we can get something confirmed, and then we also have um, somebody who's been on live TV, like who's who's been on a pretty prominent, popular show, who's been champion, um, lined up as well here in the near future, and so. We're, we're getting there, guys. Thank you for hanging with us. Here at the end, we'll, we'll hit you guys with the golden minute. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Stay in progression. And now, for the moment you've been waiting for, it is time for the golden minute. With yours truly, the Golden Rooster. Hello everybody. This week on the Golden Minute, the Golden Rooster, the Gallo Dorado, the Golden Cock, gets these motherfucking marks on Podcoin and on iTunes. Thanks to me. The Golden Rooster, the best luchador ever. These motherfuckers are getting listened to now. The Golden Minute is the hottest segment of the last decade. I am the best, and I am making these marks the best as well. A rato. Thank you for joining us.